their friends. Thank you for tuning in to How to Live the Podcast, where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. Hello there, friends. And speaking about figuring out this thingy, I figured out a thingy that I would like to share with you here and now. Please do share with the class. Okay, so I've been googling away this morning to provide you with the most accurate information possible but something crept into my psyche last night around figs not being vegan that I feel like was being talked about a few years ago and I just remembered that some people said figs weren't really vegan but I didn't remember why. Okay I've never heard this I did not know figs weren't vegan I thought they were just like a fruit but also I don't eat figs so I'm listening. Okay well For the fig eaters out there, I kind of feel really bad that I'm about to shatter this for you because if you can eat figs after you know this information, I think I'll be really impressed. (laughs) So do we just have like half of our listeners turn off the podcast? Uh, I hope you're still with me because it's actually a super cool fact as well. But essentially, figs are not necessarily like a normal fruit. They're actually more like an inverted flower. And they have to be pollinated in the same way that flowers do. And so a wasp actually creeps inside and pollinates the inside of a fig and then dies in there. What? Yeah, it's like their life purpose, but it's a suicide mission. What? And so they go inside the fig and they pollinate it and then their body dies there. And then over time, there's like some sort of enzyme type of thing inside the fig that dissolves the wasp's body Ew. so that when you cut it open, there's no body inside anymore. Oh my God. What the hell is that? It's like a, it's a low key murder. What? Yeah, That's also, so disgusting. Like you're kind of eating wasp's body, even though you're not, but you kind of Ew. I know. Oh my God, that's so gross. Even if I wasn't vegan, I'm never, ever, ever eating figs again. That is so disgusting. I know. And it's not that I dislike figs. I eat them sometimes dried, I feel, in like a dessert or on the top of a chocolate cake or something like that. So now I feel the need to just avoid. All figs here and now and absolutely forever because that is so gross. I do not want to be eating wasp body. I know. It's gross. It's really gross. I'm so sorry. And like what? One wasp Per fig. Like, that's a lot of wasps. I don't know. I didn't get that deep into it. But yeah, you would think so if they're dying inside. <sighs> I know. That's so gross. It's a weird place to start a podcast, but I was just so excited by the information. I felt the need to share. Mm, I kind of liked it. It was something different. Thanks for sharing. No props. So today we're not going to be talking about wasp bodies or figs anymore in this conversation, although you never know where it's going to go. But what we are going to be talking about is the stigma around therapists and going to therapy. And also just breaking them all down and sharing some stories with you about different times in our lives where we've been in therapy, like right now when we both are. Or when we've been terrified to go to therapy or when we've had terrible experiences in therapy or when we've had brilliant experiences in therapy, we are going to be sharing it all. So let's get into it now.
Okay, so let's go back to the beginning and discuss this stigma that there is around therapy. Mm, Well, I think we have come such a far way in mental health and the ability to talk about mental health and when somebody is struggling for them to be more open about it. But I think we still have a way to go. Like we're probably 15% of the way there and like still have long, long, long time to go before it really is acceptable in every scenario to talk about it. Okay, can I tell you when I feel like I first remember therapy references in pop culture way back when was in Sex and the City when Carrie decides to go to therapy and she's trying to tell all her friends about her stuff and then they're like we can't really handle it anymore you need to go to therapy and then she goes and she sees this therapist and she feels so uncomfortable going I think she ends up meeting and dating a guy in the waiting room but that guy turns out to be like fucked up in inverted commas because he's in therapy of course he is maybe it was Bon Jovi in that episode and in the end she just decides therapy's not for her her therapist is really awkward and she leaves and I just feel like I realized that recently what signaled that kind of sense and those were the kind of signals we were all getting for such a long time was it was kind of shameful that she had to go to therapy and that her friends couldn't handle her anymore and it was like this really big deal 100 percent. and I feel like throughout our whole lives like up until very recently that's what we've been being fed like if I think about at the moment I'm actually re-watching OC and Marissa goes to therapy but Marissa's the crazy one like it was always the crazy one who needed to seek therapy not everyone and I think that that's why I love talking about this topic so much is because I feel like Not that we're all crazy, but we're all crazy and also nobody's crazy. Mm. We're just all on the same level and we go through ups and we go through downs and life is pretty chaotic and fucked at different points in our lives. And the idea of not seeking help in those scenarios when life is fucked, that seems crazy to me. Mm, That's the crazy part. And also the other thing I feel like we often got through the media is that women in Hollywood and pop stars and all those kinds of people, they're always crazy. Like there's so much about women being crazy. So many emotions don't know how to handle it. Yeah. And think about all those women who have had breakdowns in Hollywood. You know, I think of Amanda Bynes or there was a whole Britney Spears shaving her head thing. All these narratives and all of these tabloid magazines that like on the front of the gossip magazines will be like, this person's crazy. Where's the compassion in our society? If somebody does need to go to a mental hospital, let's not even go there of why they've gotten there in the first place because men run their careers and just totally devalue women and make them go crazy through everything that they put out there in the media. But, you know, the narrative around somebody needing to go to a mental hospital is let's have compassion for this person that's going through a rough time. What can we do for them? Not let's laugh at them the way that our society does. And I feel like all of those subliminal and overt messages that we're getting sent from the media from all angles really makes us feel shameful about our own mental health and if we do need to see help. Wait, whoa, I just had this huge light bulb moment when you were talking about that. So do you remember when... A few months ago, I don't actually remember when it was, but Kanye West had that whole Twitter 
meltdown thing around him being bipolar and maybe people made fun of it for like a day or two and then straight away the world kind of clicked into compassion around hang on a second this man is going through clearly an episode of some sort and we need to be gentle and we should really back off which was a beautiful thing to have happened but can you imagine if that had happened to a woman? Oh, there's no fucking chance. Oh my God. There is no way that level of empathy would have been gifted to her. You are so right. And I feel like firstly, it is indicative of where we're going that the internet did have that reaction to him because I feel like even 10 years ago for a man, the reaction wouldn't have been that. And there is Agreed. much more compassion and empathy. But you are so right. We are so not at a place. Had that been Kim Kardashian that it was happening to, the world just would have ripped into her and let rip. And there would have been a small amount of people being like, hey, wait, wait, wait. But generally it would have been like, she's crazy because a woman is crazy. Totally. So I feel like for me, when I was growing up, I feel like I just didn't think I ever needed therapy because for me, I very much saw it as if you have problems, then you go to therapy. I remember at school, it would be the really disruptive kids or the ones that seemed like they had huge issues. Those were the kids that went to therapy. So it wasn't even this normal idea that now I feel like it is for you and me and a lot of our friends to just no, you go to therapy the same way you go to gym to take care of your body and you eat healthily sometimes to take care of your body and you go and get mental health help to take care of your mind. It wasn't like that. It was like the kids that needed the help went and got the help. Mm, yeah, 100% from a school counselor or something like that. You would never go to see a school counselor if you were quote unquote fine. It was more like if you were clearly had behavioral issues or something like that, that was when you would go. But in reality, we all should have gone. Like yeah. we all should have sat down and spoken about our feelings and what we were going through because as previously mentioned, sometimes life's fucked. And I feel like there's this really tokenistic, you know, there's these little campaigns that are like, if you have a problem, make sure you reach out and speak to somebody about it. And it's like, yeah, that's all good and well, but every other message that I'm getting is don't speak about it. Mm. So it's kind of like, unless you're really, really, really bad, that's when you should speak to somebody rather than just the day-to-day stuff of speaking about your feelings with your friends, speaking about your feelings with your family, speaking about your feelings with a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that at that time when I was younger, I felt like I needed something to have happened in order for me to be in therapy. So the first time that I actually sought out therapy was when our parents were going through separation. And I don't even actually remember what the turning point for me to say, oh, I think I should see a therapist was. I don't remember that feeling. I just remember thinking, oh, okay, my parents are splitting up. This is a really intense thing. I should probably be having someone to support me through that in some way. But it's definitely the moments in my life, if I reflect back, where I'm like, in crisis mode Mm, like it's damage control rather than any kind of prevention or working with just the lesser things that are going on exactly yeah it's more like these big things like your parents are splitting up or you who you have an eating disorder that made me seek out therapy rather than just hey life's really overwhelming and it would be really nice for you to have someone in your corner and be able to talk about 
the things that you're going through. Well, it's interesting because for me, I went through many, many therapists when I was younger for these exact reasons. I had something going on. So I thought I needed to see a therapist for that, which we can totally unpack. But for me, when I did find my golden therapist, who I absolutely love, this was a couple of years ago. This is what sent me on my whole self-work journey. She said to me, wow, Steph, I feel like you've got a lot of trauma. And I was like, me? Trauma? No way. I'm fine. You know, like everybody does. No, I had a great childhood. Because I think when we think about trauma, we associate it with something really, really bad that's happening. Like, God forbid if you had an accident. But the reality of it is there are definitely levels of trauma and we all go through some form of trauma throughout our whole life. Well, so this is the really interesting thing is that when I was told, oh, there's trauma, I was like, me? No, I don't have trauma. And slowly as I started to do this work, I started to realize, oh, okay, trauma isn't like, yeah, this big thing. It can be every little thing. It's if a teacher one day said this thing to me, like, don't go over there. And they kind of spoke to me really rudely. And I felt really intimidated by that. Even that, the impact that it had on me is the trauma. And the fact that it's stayed with me and shaped a part of my personality is the trauma. And I feel like I hear now a lot of people when they start to hear this word trauma, it's really common to go, oh, but so many people have had it so much worse than me. I'm fine. I should be fine. And like I heard somebody said this to me last week and they were talking about having a rough childhood like they did, but they were like, but I know so many people had a worse childhood than that. So I should be fine. And I feel like it made me think, does anyone go and say, I had it shit? Like, I actually reckon that if we spoke to a therapist, maybe it's that nobody thinks that they have any shit because we've all come up with a coping mechanism. So there's nothing that could have happened to us in our childhood that we don't think that we're fine from because we managed to get through it unless we're going through these crisis points. Like, mm. we're human. We just manage a way to get through it. But the reality of it is every single person listening to this podcast, even you, even you listening, you have trauma because we all have trauma. And by ignoring those tiny little things that happened to us in school, in childhood, when we were quite young, we're actually creating a scenario where those little things are going to start building up and building up and building up. And then they'll lead to crisis mode when the shit hits the fan. But if you can really go and see a therapist in those times where the shit hasn't hit the fan yet, that's when the beauty's going to come from it. But that's not where our society's at right now. Totally not where our society's at. So there's actually this incredible book that I read about this kind of stuff about this childhood trauma called Homecoming by John Bradshaw. Life-changing book for me. I just would read a few pages every night before bed. Because I find that sometimes when you're trying to read a whole book, if you read it too quickly, it's like you have all the info then, but a few weeks later, you kind of forget it all. So it was really nice to just like read a few pages and there's some exercises in it that you can do to start to move through the trauma. There's like a bit of journaling exercises and really good book. Definitely recommend. Okay, cool. I've actually never read that before. No, I think you would love it. It really explains this whole trauma thing really nicely. Okay, excellent. Okay, so do you remember the first time you went to therapy? Ugh, do I? Our parents made me go see a therapist. I thought at the time it was because they were difficult and they recently told me it was because the therapist told them to say that to me, but they thought I was difficult. (laughs) (laughs) So this was their way of tricking me into going to therapy. I think I was 16 at the time 
And I was very much in this place where there's nothing wrong with me. Everyone else has the problems. Mm. And Standard 16-year-old practice. Like that's not specific to your experience. Standard. But in hindsight, I did have things that I wasn't so happy with in myself. I feel like this is where for me actual psychologists – haven't necessarily been the most helpful straight psychologists without like, you know, some sort of somatic psychotherapy, that kind of stuff, because I find that they just kind of be like, oh, okay, like what's up with you at the moment? And nothing was up with me at the moment. And I was a teenage girl. So I would literally sit there and talk about all the boys I liked. (laughs) And I remember bringing in photos of the three boys that I liked because he wanted to see them and he'd look at them and be like, oh yeah, he's got insecure eyes. So unethical. I know. I remember him saying that about a guy that turned out to be my boyfriend for quite a while. And I feel like had there been the right prompts for me, maybe I could go a bit deeper. But I think for me, why I always ended up just chatting about things like that with my therapist was I was too scared to actually talk about anything deeper and darker that was going on. And so I was really good at lying. And Mm. that was big with my personality was just that I was the one that was always fine. I didn't want to go there. I found it really scary to go to a dark place. So I'd just be like, I'm fine. And I would just talk about the easiest thing to talk about rather than really digging deep because I was petrified of opening up to someone and I remember I used to say, I'd love it if therapy was done walking because I found it really confronting to sit there in a room with somebody that I didn't know and for them to just be like, right, what's going on with you? And it's like, if I'm a secretive person and I haven't even told my friends and family what's going on with me, I found that a really confronting situation to actually open up and talk. So Mm. I was like, if we could go for a walk or something like that, then like maybe I could get talking. Yeah, I totally relate to that. And I feel like that must be a super common experience when people first go to therapy. It's like that idea of not even being secretive because I think on some level, when you are feeling dissatisfied or unhappy and you're in that state, you're not even really sure why. So it's not even like you're being secretive and you're not sharing it with the people around you, but you haven't even admitted it to yourself in a way. Mm, Yeah, totally. I can relate to that. Yeah, like I think when I had an eating disorder, even though I knew I had one on some level, I like didn't know on a really conscious level until you and Debbie, our mom, told me I did. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I do. But it's not that I wasn't being honest. It's just that like it was so deep down inside of me that it wasn't like on a thinking level, Mm. you know? Yeah, totally. My first experience with therapy was actually really excellent, which is funny because I went on to not have such great experiences with psychologists. But my first one was actually specializing in cognitive therapy, which is essentially the idea of noticing your thoughts And then I'm probably explaining this badly because I haven't done it since I was like 19, 20, but it's like rethinking those thoughts to create new patterns in your brain. So the idea is that we have so much patterning in the way that we think, but to actually notice that patterning and to try and steer it in a different direction so many times that we're creating new pathways in our brain. Ooh, fancy. I like that. Yeah, it was really great. And I would actually say the best thing 
that came out of it was this one concept that hit home so deeply for me that is still something I come back to 10 years later, which is the idea of fortune telling. And I remember I told you about this at the time. Yes, I remember you saying this. And it's like this idea that in the present, everything is fine, but my mind is getting carried away with what might be in the future. So it's this idea of creating a crisis in your future and then stressing about that crisis. So I feel like we all do that all the time, right? All the time thinking about a parent passing away or us hurting ourselves or something bad happening. And then we start freaking out about that and thinking about that. But the idea of this concept of fortune telling is to catch yourself in those moments, being like, hang on a second, all my limbs are here. I am fine in this moment. Nothing bad is happening. And there is nothing right now in this moment that's indicating to me that this catastrophe that I've thought of in the future is going to happen other than that my mind has created it. So if you can catch yourself in that and just be like, hey, I'm fortune telling right now. I'm not a fucking fortune teller. Don't have no crystal ball in front of me. There is no reason for me to be scared of this thing in this moment. And even though it's obviously way easier said than done, I feel like it's still this thing that I catch people doing around me all the time. And also that I notice in myself that even knowing that this is a concept helps me get through that and see past the fear that I have created. Yes, I can so relate to doing that. It's kind of like if I get a freckle and this freckle has been on my arm for ages, but today I decided skin cancer. And then all of a sudden my whole reality changes because I've decided that it's skin cancer and I'm fortune telling into the future that now I'm going to have to go to hospital and this is going to happen when I had this same exact freckle yesterday and it was totally fine. So like, yeah, I can book into a doctor to go to get it checked out. But that whole kind of mental construct of the story that's going to play out when it doesn't end up happening, it's like, well, what was the point in me stressing about it at that time? And I feel like... The Power of Now, the book by Eckhart Tolle, which if you haven't read is a must read, kind of ties into this whole concept of if you look around in the present right now, actually everything's totally fine. And it's something that I first read on a plane and I realized, I've talked about my fear of flying recently and I have a big fear of flying. And when I was reading it, he was saying, literally look around you right now, everything is fine the things that aren't fine are just being created by your mind. And I started to realize that in my mind, the plane is about to crash. Like I create that story. And it's like, oh, actually, like you said, my limbs are all here. I'm all good right now. Nothing is actually wrong. And then even if the plane was crashing, in that snapshot moment, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Mm. So if you can really embody that power of now, everything's actually okay. Yeah, exactly. So powerful. Mm. Her name was Michelle. She's a great therapist. Mm, I remember Michelle. She did great things for you. So I think after my first guy, I can remember three or four therapists that I saw after that. And they were just not my jam. And I think the thing is, it would always take so much courage for me to muster to go and see a therapist And I knew within a couple of sessions that they weren't right for me. And then I would just be like, oh, but I'm already seeing them. So either I would keep seeing them even though they were bad and I 
didn't really feel like I was getting much out of it or I would stop seeing them and give up completely. And I feel like what we need to normalize is this idea of shopping around for a therapist because it's like, you know, I want to get a new jacket because it's winter and I need a new one. And I don't just go on a website and the first jacket I see, it's like, well, I better buy that jacket now. I shop around for it. I try some different ones on. I see what I like. I ask my friends about it even. And it's the same process that it's so important to go through with therapists. And I actually forgot that I went and saw a therapist about a year and a half ago. I had two or three, I think I had two sessions with her and she'd come really highly recommended from somebody I respected. And so I felt like I should like her, but I could just feel that it was wrong. And I think there is a difference between just being scared and leaving. But I can tell you all the therapists that I actually love, I have instantly felt this connection and chemistry with them that is so important. I felt safe with them. I felt like I get their wisdom. And if you don't have that with a therapist, obviously check in and see, okay, wait, what's actually going on here? But if it is, no, I'm really not vibing with them and the things that they're saying really aren't resonating with me, it's so much better to just be like, okay, this therapist wasn't for me and keep going because just because that one therapist wasn't right for you, there will be therapists that you'll really click with, but you just have to find them. It's like, making out with a few people at the party before you find the one that you are going to go on a date with. I actually find this, what you're talking about right now, finding the right therapist, so annoying. The whole concept really frustrates me because I think once you decide to go to therapy, that should be the battle, right? Like, Mm. because it's a really scary thing that you're deciding to do. I totally empathize with that. I've been there so many times and I found it scary. But then once you decide, that should be hurdle over. It's like when people say that going to the gym is that's the battle. Like once you're there, you'll have a good time. Yeah. It's not like that with therapists because once you decide that you're going to see one, once you get over that hurdle, it's fucking hard to find a therapist that you like. And I feel like I've been in places in my life where I'll just settle on the one that I'm with because I know that the idea of finding a new one, explaining my whole life story, getting them to understand everything, that's so annoying that it stopped me from actually finding a new therapist, which in actual fact would be way better for me than just sitting with this one that knows me, that I've had five sessions with and now fully gets it, but I just don't feel like we have chemistry together. Okay, I have a business idea. Love it. Okay. For somebody listening that is in a position to make this happen, therapist, speed dating. Yes. You know, like firstly, that would totally normalize it because I'm going to this big event and everyone's going there to see a therapist and there's a bit of mingling and everybody's there. Woohoo. We all need mental health help. Maybe there's wine. Yeah, there's definitely wine involved. There are definitely snacks as well. And then I get to go speed dating with therapists and I get to spend, maybe it's a little longer than a two minute speed date, or maybe it isn't just for the first round. And then once I'm like, okay, I'm vibing with this person. I'm not vibing with that person. That person seemed creepy. You know, there's so many personal things in this that you need to speed date before you actually can like settle down and find the right one. So with this therapist that I saw, I had two or three sessions with her. And I decided I knew it wasn't right for me. Like I just knew she wasn't right. I checked in. I knew I wasn't avoiding anything. She just wasn't right. And there could be that whole, oh, but persist because you never know what you're going to get out of it. But I just found that what she was saying wasn't landing. 
And for me, saying no to somebody is really scary because I feel like I'm letting them down. And I think my therapist in the UK actually helped me formulate a message. But I ended up writing to the therapist and being like, hey, I really appreciate the sessions we've had. I just want to let you know I've thought about it and I feel like the way you work isn't exactly right for me right now. So I just wanted to let you know I'm not going to be having any future sessions, but I'll let you know if anything changes in future. And it was so liberating to be able to say that and also to not let that get me down and to just hide from it. There was something about meeting it, facing it, being like, this isn't quite for me and carrying on with my search for a new therapist. Mm, Yeah, there's something so liberating in that. I stuck it out with a therapist that I knew was wrong, I reckon for a full year or something. And something was just always off about the way that she was responding to me. I just didn't feel like she got me. Sometimes when I meet people, I feel like they either get me or they don't. And I definitely feel like she didn't get me. Therapy can be fun and it can be funny and enjoyable and there can be lighthearted moments. And I've had really great therapists that when I need that, they can feed into that for me in a way that we're still working through shit, but like it's really palatable. And that's especially helpful if you're really dark going through an eating disorder like I was. And I just felt like this one woman was so intense and I don't know why I stayed with her for so long. I mean, I do. I was just exactly what I said. The idea of finding someone new was just so exhausting. But I remember our last session together she was probably about 65 and she mentioned that she was the wife of a pastor and not that there is anything wrong with that by any means but I just felt like I understood then why as a 22 year old having fun and going out and binge drinking with my friends on the weekend why we were just so not anywhere on the same page and then it was just this moment where I was like oh that makes a lot of sense I probably wish I knew that information quite early on because I feel like it would have pushed me to find someone that was more able to connect with me on a level that I needed at that time. Yeah, it's so important to be able to connect with them. And I feel like different people need different things. Somebody needed that person as a therapist, maybe, but that wasn't you. And for me, when I go into a room and I feel really weird about sharing with this person, often that's just not the right person. Like mm. when I've had my favorite, favorite ever therapist, the second I met her, I felt at ease in her company. I felt like she had a warmth, which for me, I really need. But she also had a strength, which for me, I really need as well to kind of respect push you a little, push me a little and respect them in what they're saying. She also, I don't know if this is ethical, but she would share her own stuff a little bit, which made me feel at ease and like I wasn't on my own in this. And she just had such a compassion and understanding for what I was going through, which helped me to open up more. She was so not judgmental about the things I was saying and she had a sense of humor about them yeah which I need that humor I need that humor and that's the thing is that a lot of the people that I've been seeing into this point even when I'm imagining some of these people's rooms I'm momentarily being snapshotted back into these therapist rooms that I've been to over the years as we're saying it and I'm getting vibes being in some of their places and I literally am cold in some of them some of them are in their houses and they're cold yes and I don't want to be cold I've been in some cold houses for yeah. therapy. <laughs> or like I'm in a really uncomfortable chair or it's really sterile or it's a tiny little office space. If we have the means to see these people, then 
they're working for us. We should be able to get out of it what we really want to get out of it. And actually, if you are in Australia and you're listening to this through Medicare, we get a rebate on 10 sessions a year with a therapist. So definitely recommend if this is something you're interested in, but you're not sure if you can afford it, book in with your GP because this is totally covered by Medicare and we can be using this every single year. And if you're not, there's all these sessions that you're not getting that you could be. Yeah, it's so great, that mental health plan. It's so fantastic. So the other thing that's been interesting to explore for both of us, which you mentioned earlier in psychotherapy, somatic therapy, which is different to psychology. And so I've actually found it really, really helpful to see a psychotherapist rather than a psychologist. I think that with psychologists, while they've helped me through some really tough times, if we're talking about that idea of delving into childhood trauma and things like that, I find that with psychology, it's more about what's going on right now. And then with psychotherapy, it's more about, okay, what's going on right now, but how does that relate to your childhood, the trauma you've experienced why you are the way that you are, why you react in the way that you do, things like that. And I've found that a lot more helpful to shift my way of being than when I sit with a psychologist and speak about what's going on. And maybe that's just because I haven't seen the right one. Like I will preface it by saying that, but I have found psychotherapy particularly really, really helpful for me. Same. And can I actually tell you, I heard... Jake Johnson, who's the actor that plays Nick in New Girl on Dax Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. And he was talking about how therapy hadn't really worked for him. And then he ended up going to see a psychotherapist. And he was talking about how he got to lie down and not actually look at the person and then delve into his childhood and things that had happened. And for him, that was a way that finally therapy started to work for him because, yeah, all that talking about what's going on now just didn't feel right. And I heard that and I was like, oh my God, I could do this kind of therapy. That sounds doable for me. There's just something in it that just feels a little less scary if you've never done any therapy before. And that was what led me on this whole path to find my therapist in the UK because I went and I started Googling psychotherapists. So yeah, I think there are different types of therapy that we can find that really help us. And if you have done certain types of talk therapy and they've never worked for you, which I think is the case for a lot of people, know that that isn't your only option. There are heaps more options that we can try that can really be helpful. And even that idea of saying to your therapist, whoever they are, hey, I actually feel more comfortable not looking at you or lying down or anything like this. I feel like it can be scary to say that to them. But by saying that and just doing that little thing or maybe even, hey, do you offer going for a walk together? Don't be afraid to say those things that are going to help you to get into a better mind frame to be open and share. Because again, this is for you. And I think that so many people just feel at a loss because they feel like I've tried therapy, it's not for me, but I've got a bit of depression or anxiety or I'm not feeling great and there's nothing else to be done. I can't do anything about this. But I think that it's so important to remember that there is something for you. Every single person can be helped by these things. You just might have been doing the wrong thing so far. Yeah, like you're not an alien that 
something is helping all these other people and it's not able to help you. Like whatever you are going through, there will be a certain place for you to get that help. And I was somebody who really felt like there was nothing that was going to help me. Like I really, really thought that I'd been to a bunch of psychologists and I just felt like I was in this really dark place and I was like, I'm always going to be in this place. And I accepted that, oh, my life's just going to be a bit shit and that's just my life. And I guess that's just how it's going to be. And I never, ever thought I would find anything to get me out of that place. And now I just want to go back to her and be like, no, there is hope. There's all Mm. this stuff that you're going to do and you're not going to feel like this forever and you're going to feel amazing. And I think that people need to know that. Yeah, absolutely. There's one other thing that I remember I used to really hate about therapy that I've had to be open and honest with my current therapist about, which is, I don't know if this is common, but I'll say it here and then maybe we'll find out whether or not it is. I used to feel always like I had to bring something to my session. Like I had to prepare something in my mind of what we were going to talk about or what the topic was going to be or a situation that had happened to me that week or something like that as if that was my homework that I had to take on the job of bringing what the session was going to be about. And I found that really overwhelming, especially when you're seeing a therapist once a week, because sometimes I'd be like, well, nothing's happened this week and I don't know what to bring. And then I'd end up bringing something that was a bit of a nothing thing that I didn't really need to talk about, but I felt like I needed to have something to talk about. And so it's been really liberating to just tell my therapist that and be like, I feel like in the other times when I've done therapy, I've felt the need to come with something and I don't want to feel that feeling anymore. So I'm not going to pre-prepare things that I think I should talk to you about. And then I'm going to need your help finding the things. Oh my God, why haven't you told me that you did that? I want to do that. That's amazing. I totally feel like that. And I feel like a good therapist will recognize that it's not just about what happened this week, that there are deeper things going on and be able to kind of draw those out for you. Yeah, like you're the therapist. You come to me prepared with questions. Why do I have to do the work? The work was coming here. You now do me. Yeah, it's so true. I love that. Like I don't want to do your homework. I have other homework from therapy to do sometimes and that's okay, but I don't want to be the one to bring the thing because then I found myself making the thing up. Yeah. Not making it up, like bringing it out of thin air, but acting like there was a situation that was more than what it was to me. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that also goes back to the thing about only going to therapy when you have a thing to bring because if they're a good therapist... When you aren't in crisis mode, then you should be able to come to them and just be like, I want to be better. I want to be happier. I don't know why I'm not happy right now. And they're the one to actually figure out what's going on with you. Also want to mention, I had a really, really horrible experience with a therapist. And it was actually somebody that Renan and I saw together as a couples therapist. Oh, yeah. And I found her on Google where all good things are found. And I think that Google, I have actually found a lot of my great therapists on. But this particular therapist I went along to and after the first session, I did quite like her. But after the second session, just things started to feel off and she started to criticize me. And she started to kind of gaslight me almost and say like, Steph, you're making things up or criticize the things I was saying or calling me a narcissist and all these kinds of things. And it felt like what she was trying to make out to be tough love therapy, 
but it felt really wrong and it ended up causing more issues within Renan and my relationship than we had in the first place. And she just made us doubt everything and would leave feeling really, really yucky. And I think that we needed to listen to our instincts in that situation and stop going, which we did after a few sessions. And we discussed going back and Renan actually wanted to go back after a period of time. I think because it was easy because we already had this therapist. He was like, I feel like we should keep going. And I set the boundary and I was like, no, I don't want to go again. I don't think it was helpful. And now much further down the track in our relationship, in me going to therapy and having spoken about this therapist with other therapists, I realized what she was doing was really unethical. She was a really horrible therapist. That isn't the norm and that you need to listen to your instincts in this stuff. Because when I actually have had my best therapist, I don't leave feeling horrible. And I guess there are some good therapy sessions that you'll leave and you will have cried. And I think that that can be a common experience. But for me, that doesn't feel like what I need. And I think that's a common thing that people think is therapy is that you're meant to feel horrible. But I think the best therapists can pick you apart and bring you back together and make you leave feeling really good and safe and held. And for a lot of people, these are really important things to feel like. So if it's not feeling right, really, really don't persist because you've got to follow those gut instincts that you have because they are there for a reason. Yeah. Don't not persist with therapy. Just don't persist with that person. Yeah. And if you are listening to this episode and you feel like maybe talk therapy is something you would like to explore and haven't yet, the way that you can find out more is essentially by going to your GP and just explaining to them that you're interested in finding a therapist to help you and it might just be to help you feel more free and find more lightness in your life and that's where you can start to get the ball rolling on your mental health plan if you're in Australia. Yeah and I find that speaking to friends and friends of friends for recommendations of therapists can really be how you find some of your most incredible therapists. I think that often when I've gone to a GP and asked for a random recommendation, it's not necessarily the best because they're like, oh yes, they have this list of five people that they tell people. So it can be good to actually get a recommendation for someone and then take that to your GP and talk about how you can incorporate that into your mental health plan. If that is something that you feel comfortable doing, talking to friends about it, Also, I find that through looking through retreats and things that I've really loved is how I found some of my favorite therapists. So it might be through asking a yoga teacher that you love or somebody else in the wellness space or reaching out to your yoga studio and just saying, are there any therapists you can recommend? Because I often find that if you like something, then they might have something similar for you in this space. Yeah, that's such good advice. Thanks. Or another way that I've found therapists as well is if there's kind of like a wellness center that has maybe acupuncturists and naturopaths and those kind of things that often they'll have a therapist there as well. And I feel like they're a little bit more vouched for in that situation. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to leave you right there. A few things to ponder. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if there is anything that we haven't talked about today in terms of therapy or our own journeys, we would love to hear from you about what those are. Please come and chat to us at our Facebook group, How To Live The Podcast. Have the most wonderful week. We'll be thinking about you. We always do. Bye. See ya.
na 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 na